Our first speaker, Dr. Heather Sherd, is retired from being an assistant principal at Springvale Secondary College and then completed a PhD, a biographical study of her hero, in 2013 and is currently researching and writing a book about the more than 20 Australian women doctors who served in World War I. Dr. Sherd. Um, look, I don't get across the river very often, so uh, I was a bit worried when I got to the top of the stairs. I, uh, I thought this might be a venue for the comedy festival, and I was a bit worried that my routine wouldn't stand up. Um, I've also decided that when I get home, I seriously have to redo the wallpaper. Um, now, in introducing my hero, who is Dr Vera Scantlebury-Brown, I want you to do something for me. Uh, if you took your children to a baby health centre, or if you um, were taken to a baby health centre, I want you to put your hand up. Right. I figure some of you don't know you were taken to the baby health centre. Um, but if, if that's the case, then you should know who Dr Vera Scantlebury-Brown is. Uh, to give you a bit of background, she was born in the little gold mining town of Linton in 1889. When she was 18 years old, she enrolled in medicine at the University of Melbourne. And she was one of the first 50 women to complete the medical degree there. And she's my hero because she pioneered many, many things that we, took for that we take for granted today. When she started out her career, she was the first um, early junior resident medical officer at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. It was her and 16 young men. Um, as, of course, doctors and nurses started to enlist uh, when the First World War was declared, all of the hospitals started to run on skeleton staffs. And she was the second, uh, second woman ever appointed to the Children's Hospital. And within 18 months, she was the senior registrar there um, and literally running the hospital. In 1916, late in 1916, she signed up uh, to go to the Endell Street Military Hospital in London. Now, it's always been said that women doctors didn't go to the war, especially Australian women doctors, and even until about 12 months ago, the Australian War Memorial was saying that too. But I want you all to know tonight that it's completely untrue. At least 24 Australian women doctors served in the First World War and probably five or six New Zealand women doctors as well. They stepped around the official policy. The policy was we will not enlist women doctors because they're women. Um, however, Vera joined what was commonly known as the Suffragette Hospital, which was uh, created by Louisa Garrett Anderson and Dr Flora Murray. And it was a 560 bed five-storey hospital in the old St Giles workhouse, which they claim was the model for Oliver Twist, um, with a staff of 180, all women, except for four, uh, sorry, five or six RAMC orderlies. Now, she arrived in February 1917, and she served as a surgeon until January 1919. 
Now, her diary letters, which are in the, fortunately for me, are in the Bailey Library um, archives, are really full of the anguish and the trepidation about the soldiers' wounds and their illnesses, and also particularly about her abilities, especially her surgical abilities, um, whether they were up to the task. And the first thing she did was to spend her spare time, such as it was, um, by going to the London School of Medicine for Women, which was the only university that would admit women in England, um, to practice dissection in the anatomy room there so that she could perhaps be more uh, satisfied with the job that she was doing when the soldiers arrived. All doctors probably struggled, um, especially the ones straight out of medical school, and her brother, um, Cliff, had five straight years of, of medical degree and went straight to, uh, well, was dumped, if you like, straight at Cape Hellas, straight into the thick of it, with practically no clinical experience. The first six months of Vera's um, service at Endwell Street, uh, her diary indicates that it, it did almost defeat her. Uh, she became very depressed, um, but gradually she, she did gain confidence and by the end of her two years she was fairly blithely talking about gunshot wounds, um, nerve resections and amputations. When she returned um, from overseas it was very difficult for her to find work. Women were appointed ex officio. It means they were unofficial. They were given a rank only in terms of um, being paid, and they were never permitted to wear any of the symbols of rank. Of course, when they came back, their army pay ceased immediately, which was um, somewhat different from the men who could continue on and study if they wanted to in England. And returned men were given preference for jobs, including medical jobs, when they returned. Uh, the women were not officially uh, members of any corps, and so therefore they, they did not receive any preference. Vera's real desire was to be a paediatrician. That was a burgeoning um, medical specialty in the 1920s. Um, however, she found the children's hospital, of which she'd been in charge during the war, totally inaccessible to her in terms of becoming an honorary, which you had to do, you had to become a consultant if there was any hope at all of developing your private practice. Uh, she completed her MD, the medical equivalent of a PhD, in 1924 by travelling overseas, again on steamships and trains. Um, but by 1925, she'd realised that there was no way that she was ever going to get her foot in the door of the children's hospital. So paediatric practice was, um, her hope was abandoned. Um, in 1926, she became the pioneer director of the, of the Infant Welfare Department in Victoria. And I haven't got time to go into the background of how she, how she achieved that, but she was the first woman to head a government department in Victoria. Um, I suppose the twist in that is that in the same year, she married uh, an associate professor of electrical engineering at Melbourne University, Eddie Brown. And so they couldn't possibly employ her as a married woman, but they really wanted her skills, so they employed her part-time instead. I suppose um, the, the last things I'll say is that I find her inspirational because she went completely against the, the social mores of her time. 
um, middle and upper class educated women were supposed to stay home and preferably do good works for no pay. Um, and also because in this job, which she didn't really want in the first place, it wasn't her dream, but in this job she had the vision to set out the universal, non-denominational and um, completely free maternal and child health service that we have in Victoria today. And there are very few others like it in the world. Thank you.